John Millay, many of you know John. You know his byline. He's a great newspaper a reporter, a columnist, worked for the Star Tribune for a long time. Elsewhere beside that, other states besides that, by the way, but many of us know John through his work here in Minnesota. And, of course, now he's with the Minnesota State High School League and has a column there, which I suggest you go to when you get an opportunity at mshsl.org and read uh, John's travels like I do. And, of course, right here on Talk North. John, tell us about that podcast, by the way. Good to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Dave, old buddy, it's good to hear your voice. Yeah, Jim Suhan and I have been doing this podcast focused on high school sports uh, for several years now. We've done more than 200 of them. It's Preps Today with John Millay. And when I came up with that title after Jim had asked me, what do you want to call it? I said, I need a word that rhymes with my last name because nobody can pronounce my last name. <laughs> Lee is easy. That's Malay. Right. I, it's Malia, Malaya. You know, it's, there's a hundred different ways to mispronounce it. So the show's Preps Today with John Malay, and we talk about uh, everything I do in my job, Dave. And Jim has covered enough high school sports in his career that he, he knows a lot about it. So it's, it's a great job. You know, I get to talk about all these places I go and things I get to write about. So it's, it's fun. And, and as we all know, you're a great uh, supporter of high school sports. You've been doing the, the TV games for 45 at Bas- state basketball for a long time. I love seeing you there. And, and it's fantastic to be talking to you today. Well, same here. And of course, uh, we're going to chat a bit more about some of those things with John in just a second. I do want to mention that uh, the show is brought to you by Propane, uh, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone. Also by Star Bank, our bank right here at Talk North. And you can download these podcasts at talknorth.com or, of course, on Apple and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts as you do with uh John Millay preps today. You can, uh, same spot right here for my first concert. Brianne is with us again. Brianne, great to see you per usual. Absolutely. Good to see you. And of course, you know John as well. So John, uh, we're going to take a little uh, change of pace, although you and I have some musical stories from high school tournaments we could share here in a second. We do. (laughs) But uh, I want to ask you your first concert. What, What was it? Where was it? When was it? It's fuzzy. It was more than 50 <laughs> years ago, David. I, I I was thinking about this when I first saw your 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 podcast and the topic. I thought, oh, what was mine? And it came back pretty quickly. So I was 11 years old. I grew up in a small town in northwest Iowa, Grettinger, Iowa. And an adjoining county is Clay County. Spencer's the county seat, Spencer, Iowa. Basically, if you're on Highway 71 in southwest Minnesota, you go down through Jackson, you cross the line, and get into Iowa, go through Spirit Lake, the Okaboji area. You'll end up in Spencer. That's the county seat. It's a, it's the biggest town around down there, and it's not that big. <laughs> but they are home to the Clay County Fair, which is held every September. It's after the Iowa State Fair. It's very late every year. And when I was a kid, we would get like a, I don't know if it was a Friday or maybe a Thursday and a Friday off every year. And, and to, so people could go to the Clay County Fair. And we didn't live in Clay County, but people loved that fair. It was, and maybe it still is a great big county fair. It's a big deal. This was, you know, this is growing up in the 60s and 70s in rural Iowa. There's not a lot of entertainment. You had your four TV channels. <laughs> And, you know, you, you did what you could. Sure, so we yeah. went to the Clay County Fair. You know, sometimes uh, schools would load kids on buses and take them for a day. So September of 1970, 
I, I looked at uh, some historical documents. Thank goodness the Clay County Fair is good at this. Here's the some of the grandstand acts that year. A lot of these names won't ring a bell with the younger folks. Here, here you go. George Kirby, Anita Bryant. Oh, my. Sonny James. Leroy Van Dyke. I didn't go see any of those, but the I got to Leroy see Van Dyke. Yeah, I got to see Paul Revere and the Raiders as an eleven-year-old <laughs> with my buddy Billy Boblet, who lived next door, and my aunt Mary Jo, my sainted aunt Mary Jo, who's no longer with us, was uh, a single gal her whole life. My mom's little sister. I don't know. I don't remember the details, but she took Billy and me to go see Paul Revere and the Raiders. <laughs> she was young enough. She knew who Paul Revere and the Raiders were. She probably just wanted an excuse to go herself. I don't <laughs> sure. know. But, you know, the whole fairgrounds experience. And I don't know if I ever went to another show at the Clay County Fair. Um but, you know, you, you mentioned Leroy Van Dyke. I was looking back. They have a, a list of every year, all the grandstand shows. So Leroy Van Dyke was there in 1970. And in 2019, one of the acts was the Leroy Van Dyke Country Gold Tour starring oh. Leroy Van Dyke. Wow. So he, he was there in the 70s and back in, in 2019. So Leroy must be doing well. Um, yeah, it was it was. It was fun, you know, just, and I don't even know how I knew about Paul Revere and the Raiders. I, I'm sure it was from the radio and possibly American Bandstand because those are the only ways I could have known. Maybe my big brother had an album. I don't know. Well, th uh, those are among the many fuzzy details, <laughs> but <laughs> that's, that was my first one. I've had others, you know, as an older, as an older citizen, but that was the first one, you know, I've seen Fleetwood Mac and Bon Jovi and uh, saw Electric Light or Orchestra at the XL Center a couple years ago, which was phenomenal. But that my very first one was was Paul Revere and the Raiders at the Clay County Fair in Spencer, Iowa, in 1970. And I did I did some googling. Um, I think the tickets were like three dollars. <laughs> And I, I didn't have any money. I was oh. 11. I'm sure my aunt or my mom and dad forked over the dough and, and uh, probably got us a popcorn and a, and a Coke. But, yeah, that's uh, that's f phenomenal. And, and anybody who grew up in that part of Iowa knows about the Clay County Fair. We just called it the Spencer Fair. I think even on the school calendars, it would have a day or two just designated <laughs> no school Spencer Fair. And <laughs> I don't know if they do that now, if kids get a days off from school for the fair, but uh, it was a great tradition back then. You mentioned a couple of things that made me start thinking about bands, and you're right. My older brother's albums and my sister, that all of a sudden you're going, and Paul Revere and the Raiders specifically, my brothers had that album where they had, you know, they had the, the Revolutionary War outfits, did they wear those on stage? You know, I, I imagine they did wear those outfits. Again, my mind is so fuzzy, but I am I should have Googled some images of that to see what they wore. <laughs> I bet they did. And I can, of course, uh, uh, I can, you know, Mark Lindsay was part of that band. He went on to have a solo career. Uh, Freddie Weller, I think, was one of the originals, and he left when I had a country career. Had an album called The Roadmaster. Yeah, here's where, here's where my musical geekiness starts. Talking about brothers' albums, we we as young guys, we learned a lot from our brothers' albums. Yeah, we did, and in fact, my mom's uh, two younger sisters, my aunt Mary Jo and my aunt Helen. I remember the itsy bitsy, teeny weeny <laughs> polka dot bikini. I remember my aunt Helen basically bequeathing that album to my brothers and I. She must, <laughs> she probably wore them out, 
and uh, <laughs> things like that, you know, that, uh, yeah, get those records. We had that big console record player and radio and, and uh, we wore that thing out. I mean, you know, like, like, you know what it's like, Dave, growing up in a small town, we couldn't, we couldn't get to the Twin Cities easily. We couldn't get to Des Moines easily. And, and you just, you find your entertainment where you can. Yeah, you, yeah, you got creative and made things up. Bob Dylan, the first time I ever heard him was from my brother's Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits album, his first one. And I thought, wow, this, there you go. this guy is really, I really liked him. The first time I heard the name Bruce Springsteen, I was working at the Cedar Rapids Gazette in Iowa as a young sports writer. And one of the other writers there was talking about Bruce Springsteen, who was coming to Cedar Rapids or Iowa City, I don't know. And he'd already seen him in concert once or twice, was very excited. And I didn't know who that was. And I do now. I do now. <laughs> I've never seen him in concert. I can't afford Springsteen tickets now. I probably couldn't have afforded them then. But yeah, I know uh, it's, it's really funny how these things work out. Yeah, the old $3 tickets gotten a bit inflated. <laughs> I think so. On the yeah. Springsteen concert. That's... I don't think Springsteen's going to the Clay County Fair in <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> but, that, but, <laughs> but as a journalist, uh, do you remember when he was on the cover? And I think this may be when I first heard of him. He was on the cover of uh, Newsweek and Time, I think, it, within yeah. like a week or two of each other. Yeah, I think I, I kind of picture that iconic. I think it was the Born to Run album and the him with the bandana coming out of his back pocket. Or maybe that was the album cover. But yeah, I do remember that. That might have been when I first actually saw. Oh, that's Springsteen. Okay. And certainly we all know what happened since then. And what an amazing, amazing career. Holy mackerel. Did you ever, in, in your journalistic career, which continues, obviously, did you ever review a concert? I don't think I ever did. I did some movie reviews. I reviewed The Natural when I was there in Cedar Rapids, uh, and I was 25 years old. I remember that. I had a, what I thought was a great line in there that I was I was 25 years old at the time, and I was kind of you know talking, bringing myself into the movie review that I was rounding second base on the way to 50 years of age, which to me, that says you're 25. And of course, <laughs> some guy... Some selective reader called newspaper. <laughs> that guy, I've seen that guy. He doesn't look like he's fifty. And somebody explained to him, "No, he's he's twenty five. Read that sentence slow." <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I didn't. I don't know that I ever reviewed a concert. I don't recall ever doing that. The uh, so among the among the shows that you've seen through the years since that time, John, anything stand yeah. out? Well, you know, my wife and I, before we were married, we saw Fleetwood Mac. We were both students at Drake University in Des Moines. I was actually on my first real journalism job. I was working at the Des Moines Register while I was in college in the sports department. And uh, yeah, we, we saw Fleetwood Mac. I looked it up December 1st, 1979 at the Uni Dome at the University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. This was the Tusk tour. Oh, wow. It was, it was fantastic. I mean, this was, you know, I, uh, 25,000 people in the uni dome. That's about as many as that place could hold. And I had play, I had played football in the uni dome a few years earlier in the class, a Iowa football state championship game. I didn't have any great memories from that because we came out on the bottom side <laughs> of the scoreboard, but it was fun to be back in there for a show. And, uh, it was really fun. It was that, that I'll never forget that one. I have better. My memories are clearer from 1979 <laughs> than from nine years earlier at the Clay County Fair. Did they bring a band out to do Tusk? 
they, I think they did. I, I, they had not a whole marching band. Right. And I, I, you know, on the, the original song was with the USC marching band and I don't know who the musicians were, but they wore USC marching band uniforms, which was really cool when, cause that's the song everybody wanted to hear. That was the big hit. It was the Tusk tour. And, and my wife, I was talking about this with my wife last night and she, she kind of giggled. She said, she remembers we're sitting in our seats. We're not on the floor. We're up in the, in the seats on either side of the football field. And she looked at a couple rows ahead of us. People were smoking something that clearly were not normal cigarettes. <laughs> and she had never been subjected to that. I don't know that I had either, really. And she she kind of studied that for a while during the concert <laughs> to see what are those kids doing down there? That's a different kind of an operation. I'm not She We figured it out. But yeah, that was yeah. another learning experience. <laughs> well, I from a small town, you just aren't familiar oh. with that. And all of a sudden, yeah, I think it was easy time. I, I learned those facts of life. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You learn them. You pick things up along the way. <laughs> you mentioned your wife. I believe the first concert I took, she wasn't my wife at that point. The first concert I took her to was Merle Haggard. Oh, you are a you sweetheart, you. <laughs> she said, if I sat through a Merle Haggard concert with you, you knew it was going to be a lasting relationship. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Go to the depths of the, of the world with you. Yeah. Well, I said to my wife the other night, I said, you know, different kinds of things happen on June 12th. The best thing was we got married. The dumbest thing was I tested positive for COVID <laughs> 40 years later. <laughs> uh, Hey, we're talking with John Millay, uh, and of course you can hear his podcast right here on uh, TalkNorth.com, so make sure you download that, find out the latest. I do want to mention our sponsors here today, and that one of those, of course, is our bank here at Talk North is actually Star Bank, and they bring you the broadcast uh, today, and you talk about friends and, and relationships, that's how they are successful. These relationships they have, the fact that you'd walk in the bank and they pretty much know who you are. And by the time you leave, I think there's a good chance that you'll know who they are individually. But you want to make sure they can handle your business needs. And one of the things that happens, you know, I think about John covering sports all these years, and no one's more familiar with some having to call audibles, and he is. And that's what they do at Star Bank because things aren't always perfect, right? And all of a sudden you'll have quick decisions or something changed. They know that. They've been an ag-related industry in rural Minnesota for years. Things can change quickly, and they adapt. And so if you're making decisions regarding your company, in fact, here in the Twin Cities, they're located as well, and uh, you suddenly have different uh, decisions made or something comes up, trust me, they get it. They know how to do that. They handle decisions all the time. And I would find out more about them. Ten locations in the state, a variety of businesses they serve. The starbank.net, by the way, is the website, so that's nice and easy to get to. If it's technology you're into, and we all have to be at some point, they are as well. So if you want to work off the app, that's no sweat. But I will tell you that if you talk to them, they do answer the phone. I just think that's huge. Who would have ever thought years ago that answering the phone with a real human being was going to be this unique? But they just love to do what they do. And uh, you'll find out when you deal with any of the folks over there. So uh, they're great. They're awesome. And if you are, and I'm talking to the uh, preaching to the choir, if you're already a customer out there, because you know what they're like. They're really good. Starbank.net. I would check it out, see what they can do for you, get to know them. They're really, really good at what they do. And member FDIC and equal housing lender, Starbank.net. Okay, John, moving along then in the, in the process of music and concerts, uh, uh, any other memories that stick out for you? 
Well, you know, I, I was with the Star Tribune for almost 20 years, and I joined the Minnesota State High School League in 2010. So I'm in my 13th year there. And unbeknownst to me, there are some perks to working for the high school league. And, you know, usually you hear people complaining about the high school league. We hear that. But <laughs> I, had, I hadn't been there very long. I think I'd been there maybe a month or six weeks. And we get a note from our, our now retired executive director, Dave Stead, Bon Jovi, was coming to the XL Center like in the next day or two. And apparently the XL Center management, they had an empty suite that they offered to the high school league at no charge. And so we all got, you know, here's here's the sign-up list if you want to go. We just need a list of names. And so my wife and I went, and that was like her chance to meet a bunch of people I worked with. I was so new. But we all gathered in a suite at the XL Center for Bon Jovi and a phenomenal show. Anybody who's seen who's seen that that bunch of guys, boy, that's a great show. Um, and then the most recent one, as I mentioned a minute ago, Electric Light Orchestra at the XL Center. This was July 2019. And I grew up in the 70s. We all remember those great ELO hits, Jeff Lynn, the mastermind behind that. And um, it's a different band in 2019. Jeff Lynn is still there. Great, great voice. Great show. And uh, just uh, just a great memories there. And then uh, the day, two days after that, we became grandparents. So the, I ha- I have a concert T-shirt from from that tour, and I bought one for my then uh, newborn grandson, who's now three years old. He's not big enough to wear it yet, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be a cool thing someday. There'll be a Christmas card with Grandpa and Grandson there yeah. wearing those T-shirts <laughs> at some there point. There you go. What's interesting too in your in your years of covering the state tournaments. There were there was a time, and I haven't seen it lately, but there was a time, John, where these high school bands were bringing out were, uh, their guitar players, and they were playing some rock and roll, and the crowd was going uh, gaga over it. Yeah, that's really fun. De La Salle has done that for a long time at the at the tournaments. I know this past winter at uh, Williams Arena, they played, and and. W- as you know, Dave, some of the great moments are, they're almost like pregame concerts. And one that stands out to me, Purim was playing in the boys state basketball tournament at Target Center and the Purim Garage Band. I don't know if they still do that now. It's it's not a pet band. They call it the Garage Band and it's guitars and kids singing. And they absolutely put on a concert. And the, the old uh, Walking on Sunshine, <laughs> band, they had a they had a young lady who just absolutely nailed that on the microphone. I'll never forget that. I was tweeting about it during the time, basically tweeting, if you're not in the building right now, and you can't be because the gates aren't open, you are missing a hell of a show <laughs> by the uh, Purim Garage Band. Yeah, and that, uh, you know, I, I love those bands. I've posed for photos with bands uh, at state tournaments and at just regular season season games and and my kids were all were all in band and marching band in high school and uh, I've always maintained if if a school has great arts programs that's a great school and and those bands are great evidence of that oh gosh yeah and the, and the, and the, the guitar players are suddenly the kids are going crazy over them and because uh, I remember doing London Spicer coming in and playing uh, ACDC oh and, yeah and uh, at halftime and, and nobody wanted the halftime <laughs> no, that's uh, right. or, or the pregame to end it was it, <laughs> that's right it was and they were Ada Minnesota I think had a two if I remember right yeah up in Ada I, I've been in that band room a couple times I, I know folks up there yeah they do a great job and they they might have been one of the first to really bring electricity 
to the pep band world as far as I'm concerned because they they were on a run of state tournaments in volleyball and basketball and, and football and we saw them a lot and uh, yeah that's the first time I remember electric keyboards and guitars going going back pretty far and they they do a great job uh, the, you know kids in a small town who especially in a small town who get that kind of opportunity to perform like that and rehearse and, and uh, build those skills that's pretty special yeah and the band instructors I mean you know we talked You've oh, yeah. covered coaches all your life. Basically, I mean, their yeah. coaches is what they Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then it's great to see a, a, the band director, you know, at a state tournament, picking up the trumpet and leading that charge. And, and I'm just, I'm just, I got all these band things running through my head. I wrote a feature story at the state hockey tournament one time about a young lady in the Edina band who played the cymbals. And I'm sitting up there in the press box. And I've never seen anything like it. I'm looking down. They're down below us. She is. She isn't just clanging two cymbals together while she, while she stands there. She's putting body English on it. She's dancing. She's moving. And I, I texted one of the administrators and I said, "Be okay with you if I wrote a story about that cymbals player. She's fantastic." So after the, after they were done, the game was over. I was down there. I interviewed a cymbals player. That was my <laughs> post game interview. <laughs> And she was great. She went on. I'm sure she's out of college now. She went on to the U of M and was in the. I saw her in the in the band at the basketball games at Williams Arena, playing those cymbals with all that gusto. So yeah, it's uh, it's not hard to find great stories at high school things. That's for sure. No, and, and the music and sports. And I just uh, digress for a minute and talk about the University of Minnesota marching band. So back in it would have been uh, I, I I guess about ninety six or seven. I was doing the PA for the Gophers, right, at the stadium. And they said, you want to do PA? And I remember saying, no, I don't. And then the next thing (laughs) I know, I'm doing it. But uh, I sat down with the the coaches and the ADs at one time, and they said, you know, we got to get – because, you know, the Metrodome, John, was just not conducive to to fans – you know, uh, a.k.a. the Twins World Series was pretty nuts. But normally it was almost theater-like. And so they wanted to get some – presence from the students and the fans. And so I met with Jerry Lucard from the University of Minnesota Marching sure. Band, uh, Dr. Lucard, who became a good friend. And then uh, I believe it was Tim Allen off of uh, Coach Mason's staff. And it was uh, might have been Jeff Schemmel, who was an AD there at the time. Anyway, we sat down and said, what can we do now on the PA that you could get the crowd a little more involved? So I remember talking to Jerry, and, and we were saying, uh, let's do this um, another, you know, and that's a golden go for first down. And even if you're tired of it now, <laughs> and I even I get tired of it, but this is how it started. So we said, well, let's do, when I say after the first down, or after they get a first down, I'll say, that's another golden go for first down, but let's get the crowd to say that's another golden go for first yes. down. And I, and I, so Jerry and I were chatting, I said, I think the only way to get that done is to have the marching band do it. So yeah. when I say that's another, and if the band says it, because they're the cool kids, you bet. everybody's going to follow. And the, of course, the band, they're just, they can't wait to do something fun and creative. Yeah. And so I, I go, and that's another golden gopher. And the marching band put their arms forward first down. And pretty oh. soon, of course, the whole stadium was doing it. Now I know people say, I wish they'd stop doing it. Well, yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, I'm happy to take the blame on that. But the point is, again, you get the musicians involved, John, with the team, and we saw we see that at high school, we see it at the collegiate level, and music's such an integral part of sports. It absolutely is. I, I, can you imagine going to a sporting event without music? I mean, some places, some at, at the professional level, I, I think, and I'm old, I think it can be overdone. 
We'll talk more about that with John Millay here in just a second. Uh, I want to thank the folks at Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone, for making the show possible here today on my first concert, the podcast, and reducing carbon emissions. Uh, I think you've heard plenty about that, haven't you, in the last few years? And that's good. I'm glad we're hearing about it. It's good for all of us to be aware of it. Uh, the question is, though, how are we going to do make that reduction in emissions and yet at the same time meet uh, this planet's Increasing energy needs. It's a conversation that continues to be had, as it should be. But propane says, hey, wait a minute. We've got an excellent way to reduce emissions and yet meet these energy needs you're talking about. Propane is a clean, non-toxic energy source, and it does help reduce carbon emissions. I'll give you an example of that because you're saying, how does that work? Propane's carbon intensity score, and I'm sure you're not familiar with carbon intensity scores, but this will give you a good idea of it. So they're Carbon intensity score in Minnesota is 80, right? And I'll say only 80 because that's a pretty impressive number. When you think about grid electricity in Minnesota, we all know about grid electricity. And that includes wind and solar, right? That actually has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. Propane is cleaner, much cleaner than electricity. Now, there's a strong chance you may not have known that. You probably hadn't thought much about it, but now you're going, well, wait a minute. The abundance of propane, the growth of this renewable propane means it can be used for generations to come. So for all the folks that rely right now on propane to heat their homes and businesses, they say, yeah, I get it. Fuel vehicles on road and off, uh, it happens uh, and much more. Makes propane the right energy right now. So what you can do if, you've, if this has intrigued you a little bit, and it should intrigue all of us in this day and age, find out more about what propane can do for you and our environment by simply going to propane. Dot com. John Malay is with us here. You uh, preps today with John Malay right here on talknorth.com. And of course, you can download that on Apple and Spotify as well as this podcast. Okay, John, uh, we're just chatting about the importance of music and sports and, uh, and how those two converge and come together. And I agree, sometimes at the pro level, the music can be <laughs> just a little too much. I get that. You know, you they they need to attract younger fans. I get it. The days of, well, like just, just the other night, the Field of Dreams game down in Dyersville, Iowa, that is how sports used to be. I don't know anybody wants to go to Target Field and have nothing graphically and three guys manning the, the human-powered scoreboard. I don't think we want that. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, and one of the joys of my job, I, I go to high school events for a living, and I just love hearing the music. You know, even if it's just if it just piped in music, if it's on a CD, that's fine. It's just just that music. I remember talking to Joe Maurer when he was in the midst of his twins career. I was in the clubhouse asking him, you know, hey, Joe, just tell me about your memories of, of being a high school athlete. And he smiled and he said, warming up before football games, listening to the band play. I'll never forget what that felt like, you know, just kind of the anticipation of the game. The band is playing that just that 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 Americana scene of Friday night high school football. Joe, Joe, uh, you know, Joe's a sharp guy and and uh, doesn't say much, but that was really interesting to me. Well, marching bands, a halftime. Yeah. I mean, oh. I, my wife, when we first started going to games, when when I could attend a game when I wasn't working one is that she would go if they had a good marching band. And yeah, my kids all graduated from Rosemount High School, which has a, just a yes. huge marching band program, and and they compete. It's competitive marching band. It's like a Broadway show, 
And there were people at Rosemount home football games. They would run to the restroom in the middle of the second quarter <laughs> and get their snacks. They don't want to miss the halftime show. Yep. Kind of the reverse of what it, of what it usually is. Yeah. And ju- what a great experience for, for our kids. We know firsthand that we were marching band parents. We volunteered at marching band festivals in Rosemount. We traveled to St. Louis to see like the national marching band competitions with our kids. And just, and our kids talk about that a lot. The things they learn the hard work, the heartbreak, the tears, the focus, the everything it takes to put on a show like that. So yeah, those those band programs are really, really something. It's just like it's just like the classroom. It's like a being on a athletic team. It's an extension of the classroom and that's what this whole thing is all about. And you're up early and you're 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 working as hard, maybe harder than the players. So you can identify with one another. Yeah, I had a daughter that did that very same thing. John, if you were batting in a ball game, and they said, John, pick up, pick out some walk-up music, which is kind of a hip deal now. you got to have walk-up music in baseball. What would it be? I would pick a, an electric light orchestra song. And, my, you know, I, as I said earlier, you know, I grew up listening to them. I, I know I had a couple albums, saw them at the XL Center in 2019. And the, the my renewed interest in that band was sparked. I think it was a, I don't know if it was HBO or Showtime, had a, had a basically a concert show of uh, electric light orchestra orchestra at Wembley stadium in London a few years ago, just this phenomenal thing to watch. And it just, it just, all those memories of all that music flooded back into the, you know, guy who's in his sixties now being that kid growing up in Iowa, listening to that music on the radio. And when, and shortly after that, then they, they were on a world tour and this was all intertwined. It's great marketing. So as soon as the tickets went on sale at the XL center, I, I got a pair for my wife and I, we splurged a little bit, got good seats and just loved it. Just loved every minute of it. It was a fantastic show. And I don't think they played this song on that tour, but Last Train to London is not one of their big bangers, but it's it's maybe it's it's up there among my favorite ELO songs. So if I'm walking up to home plate, I want to hear Last Train to London. It's got a little disco in it. It's uh, it's really it's a fun song and and uh, kind of takes me back to those to those days all those years ago. It'd be fun just with all the coaches that you've talked to and school administrators one day to just turn the table and say, okay, uh, concerts, music. And I bet we would have just a, 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 just a, a plethora of, of stories because I'll give an example. Coach Caruso over at the University of St. Thomas, I mentioned uh, the podcast, and he started spouting off the bands when he had seen them, where he had seen them, who oh, he saw sure. them with. I mean, it, it's one of those things that just kind of touches most everybody. It sure does. And that that reminded me, you talk about football coaches, that reminded me of a story I did a year ago, Dave, last fall at Farmington High School. It was about the relationship, the great relationship between the marching band and the football team at Farmington High School. Um, the football team, after practice one day, the marching band was in the stadium rehearsing and the football team went to the bleachers to watch them. And saw how hard they worked, the dedication to, to technique and detail, and, and gave them a standing ovation. And and uh, it was really neat to talk to the football players who who now who now are realizing what the band kids do. It's much like football practice, and the band kids expressing their appreciation for the kids on the football team 
taking that time to, to watch them and applaud for them. Cause, and the football players, they never see the halftime show and they, they all kind of open the eyes of some of these uh, kids on the football team, I think, to see just what a really top line marching band does. In a small town, of course, uh, during basketball or, or, or football, sometimes you players had to come back and play in the band because you don't have enough people to. One of my kids did that as a sophomore in high school. He'd take the helmet off, take the shoulder pads off, leave the football pants and cleats on, but put on the marching band hat and the jacket and pick up his trumpet and get out there. Let's go. So, yeah, you see that a lot. Hey, John, uh, we'll look forward to hearing you on the next podcast. Really good to talk to you. Certainly not enough time, but one of these times we'll have to just uh, chat a little bit of sports, too, because nobody has better stories than uh, John Malay. And, of course, you can read those on the MSHSL website. But, of course, you can hear them right here on Talk North as well uh, with John Malay Preps today and Jim Suhan. Hey, John, really appreciate your time, uh, as usual. Always good to hear your voice. My pleasure, Dave. Good, good to hear your voice. Thanks for for everything you've done and everything you continue to do. You're you're a for a guy from North Dakota. You're a pretty good asset to to those of us in Minnesota, and I and I say that as an Iowan. <laughs> he is John Malay, and this is my first concert. Brianne, I didn't get a chance to ask you if you had walk-up music, what what would it be? Oh, come on. That's too big of an ask. I'll have to let you know on the next you one. you get back to me I'll next time? I'll get back to you on that one. All right. Actually, I, you know what? No, I know what it is. Okay. It's not, I know it's not going to be in sync. It's not in sync. It's actually Long Cool Woman by the Hollies. Oh, you're kidding me. That song makes me so excited every wow. time I hear it. I'll have to. Well, that's now in the memory bank. That's a great, <laughs> it's a great song. Great song from the Hollies. Another album I stole from my brother's. All right, that's our show here today, Uh, my first concert. We're going to be back next time. Hope you join us. Again, our thanks to Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everybody. And, of course, our bank here at Talk North is Star Bank, another sponsor at starbank.net. Get to know the great people, 10 locations here in Minnesota. All right, see you next time. 